Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the podcast English for Life in the UK. This podcast is for intermediate level learners of English and it is produced by a group of volunteer teachers from the St Augustine's Centre in Halifax, Yorkshire, where we provide a range of support and advice to those in need and particularly to asylum seekers, refugees and migrants. Now normally uh, we run a course at our centre which this podcast supports but since the lockdown we are now recording these podcasts from our homes. As a result the quality of the sound is not quite as good as we would hope. We hope that this podcast will be helpful to anyone wanting to improve their English and at the same time learn more about life in this country. We choose subjects that we hope will be of interest and will help those who may want to become British citizens and will need to take a citizenship test. You can find links to other episodes and the, trend, the transcript, that is the written version of this podcast in a few days time on our website www.saintaugustinescentrehalifax.org.uk Here you can also find more information about the centre, uh, other support that is available and for any of those who can afford it, how to make a donation to help keep our work going, particularly in these difficult times. Today's episode, which is about VE Day, is brought to you by myself, Mark and John. Okay, John, so uh, a few weeks back, uh, we had a day that was called VE Day, where normally there would have been quite a few celebrations, but because of lockdown, we weren't able to do much. But there was certainly a lot in the newspapers and on the television about VE Day. So tell us, what, what is that? Well, it was a, a big occasion this year, Mark, because it was the 75th anniversary of VE Day. Um, VE Day stands for Victory in Europe Day. So it was the day, uh, the 8th of May 1945, uh, when Nazi Germany surrendered to the Allied forces in Europe. So it marked the end of the Second World War in Europe. So what was going on uh, in Europe at that time then? Well, with the war. The uh, Allied forces had invaded Western Europe in 1944 on D-Day and the Soviet forces had fought their way into Germany on the Eastern Front. Uh, On the 30th of April 1945, Adolf Hitler had committed suicide in his bunker in Berlin. Uh, He handed over power to Admiral Donitz, Karl Donitz, um, who signed the Instrument of Surrender, which was signed on the 8th of May 1945. Uh, which commanded all German military, naval and air forces to cease fighting 
2300 hours on the 8th of May 1945. So that is why VE Day in the UK is celebrated on the 8th of May, but in the former Soviet Union, it's celebrated on the 9th of May because that took place on the 9th of May 1945. And uh, so what ha what happened back in Britain on that day? There were, um, we've seen this quite in the news and newspapers recently, they showed the clips, uh, the newsreels at the time, there were huge crowds celebrating all over, all over Britain um, King George VI and Queen Elizabeth appeared with Winston Churchill, the then Prime Minister, and the government ministers uh, on the balcony at Buckingham Palace in front of crowds of millions of people. There were huge celebrations across the UK and across the United States and the British Empire. Um, uh, the, in the United States, there were famous scenes in Times Square in New York, um, obviously the Americans and the Soviets and everybody in the British Empire, there were celebrations everywhere to mark VA Day. Yeah, I noticed uh, one of the um, TV programmes that I was watching this year uh, was saying that uh, um, Queen, Queen Elizabeth, who of course wasn't the Queen at that stage, but was, I suppose she was Princess at that stage. That's right, yeah. Um, she she went out and actually celebrated with the crowd. So so I believe anonymously. Princess yeah. Elizabeth, as she was at the time, and Princess Margaret um, were out celebrating with the crowds um, around Trafalgar Square. Yeah, well, the King and Winston Churchill were on the balcony at Buckingham Palace. Yeah, uh, celebrations in the UK and America were tempered by the fact that, as as President Truman put it, this is a victory only half won. And Winston Churchill told the British public that we may allow ourselves a brief period of rejoicing as Japan remains unsubdued. So it wasn't actually the end of World War II. It was, as VE Day indicates, victory in Europe. But the end of the Second World War didn't come well later on in 1945. So what happened in between VE Day and what I think we then called VJ Day. Well, yeah, VJ Day, which uh, was August the 15th, 1945. The, the Nazi forces in Europe had been defeated, but their allies, uh, the Japanese Empire, continued to fight on in the Far East. So American Empire and British forces were still fighting against the Japanese uh, in places like Malaya, Singapore, China. Um this um, led up to the American forces dropping two atomic bombs on the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh, on August 6th and 9th, which brought about fairly quickly the final surrender of, of the Japanese forces. So VJ Day, Victory in Japan Day, is marked on August the 15th. Yeah, well, reflecting back, it's interesting, isn't it? Here we are in lockdown. We have uh, the current crisis around the coronavirus um, and we feel as if we've um, been in this crisis for quite some time. Mm. But what it what it must have been like to have had six years of being at war. Well, that's, yeah, the, 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 obviously the, the jubilation that we saw in the newsreels was, was understandable. It's, it's hard to hard for us to grasp what the relief and the celebration that people must have felt after being at war for six years, uh, a terrible experience for millions of people, 
I think somewhere between 70 and 85 million people killed, which was 3% of the world's population were killed globally. Uh, the United Kingdom lost 450,000 people, including 67,000 civilians who were killed in the bombing of London and other cities. Um, the Soviet Union, obviously, it's a huge, still a huge celebration in the Soviet Union. They lost somewhere between 20 and 27 million dead. Uh, China, again, 15 to 20 million dead. So, the, you know, the whole of Europe for those five or six years have been under the tyranny of the Nazis. We'd seen horrendous events of the Holocaust, the concentration camps. Um, so to finally put that to rest, to defeat the Nazis, to liberate Europe, and then to go on and liberate Asia from the Japanese armies. Uh, the, you know, the sense of... of relief must have been must have been an amazing thing to experience yeah yeah as you say it's very hard for us to imagine isn't yeah. it but it is important that we uh, remember the significance of those events absolutely. and uh, hopefully hopefully work for a world in which that kind of thing will never happen again so one of the things that's always puzzled me is just i think it was only a couple of months after the end of the war in europe Churchill, who had been the British Prime Minister through most of the war and who many people regard as having been a, a, a tremendous war leader who sort of led us to victory, was then defeated in the general election uh, only two months after the end of the, the war in Europe. How do we explain it was, that? It, it's hard to imagine when you, you think that he was um, one of what were referred to as the big three. So Winston Churchill... Joseph Stalin, uh, until his death, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he was the, the figurehead of our resistance to Nazism, led us through the Second World War, and is, you know, he's recognised as one of the greatest British politicians for his role uh, as, a, as a war leader. Within two months, was kicked out of office, a new Labour government came into power. Part of the reason for that it was um, it wasn't a Conservative government during the Second World War, it was a government of national unity. So there were many politicians from uh, the Labour Party who were in government, as well as Churchill and his Conservative colleagues. Um, people like Clement Attlee, who were deputised for Churchill when he were abroad, uh, Herbert Morrison, Ernie Bevin, people like that. So they'd gained a lot of experience uh, in government. Um, they also put forward a, a plan for reorganising Britain after the war uh, that people found much more appealing. So people had lived through the depression before the war, they'd lived through the rationing and all the hardships. Uh, and the plan that Labour put forward for the welfare state and national health service and nationalisation of key industries was seen by many, especially many of the servicemen, uh, as providing a, a, much, a brighter future. So in many ways they'd seen Churchill as the man to lead them in time of war, but in time of peace, people were much more amenable to the ideas of a Labour government. Um, so, yeah, within eight weeks of arguably his, his finest hour, he was put out of office and replaced by uh, Clement Attlee as Prime Minister and a, a Labour government. Yeah, and I, I know some historians have, have argued that um, part of it was the fact that 
um, the the average fighter, the person who'd been fighting for the country out there was, of course, the ordinary working man. Uh, but meanwhile, back in England as well, many women were now yeah. uh, doing the kind of work that men had done before. And so it, all these people felt they they had a stake now in what happened next. And uh, maybe the kind of privileged politician that Churchill was and a number of the other people in the Conservative Party at that time really didn't chime with the, the notion of the of a, of a future for all of the the people of the country and that um you know people wanted change Absolutely. it's point. when you look at the the mass conscription we effectively had a citizens army that fought throughout the world uh, and it was seen very much as a collective effort with rationing with as you say women working on the land and in the factories uh, and that chimed more with the ideas that the labor party put forward about uh, collectivism uh, and, uh, and as I said, the privations that people had undergone during the Depression, people really wanted to see ra quite radical change in, in British politics. Um, so, yeah, Churchill was on his way and we, uh, we elected a Labour government in 1945. Yeah, very interesting, John. And I, I guess one of the things to reflect on is whether at the end of the, this current crisis, this uh, COVID-19 crisis, whether or not we'll get some significant long-term change in in the country and indeed in the world as a result of this. Well, that will be interesting to that see. remains to be seen. <laughs> it does. Thank you very much, Thank John. you, Mark. See you again soon. That's great. support. In this part of the podcast, I pick a few of the words and phrases used in this episode and explain them. So early on, John talked about the instrument of surrender. This is something that happened at the end of the war with Germany. There was an instrument of surrender. Now, an instrument is usually a piece of equipment. For example, a musical instrument is anything that plays music, a guitar, a violin, etc. But in this case, the instrument means an official document. So the official document of the surrender and the surrender is Germany giving up fighting accepting that it had been defeated. Then John talked about the news reels that showed some of the celebrations going on. News reels were something that happened in the cinema because this was in the days before television and it would be a short film about the news of the day. John said that the celebrations on VE Day were tempered by the fact that the war was still going on with Japan. So to be tempered is reduced, softened, moderated. So they couldn't celebrate completely because there was still the war going out on in another part of the world, so the celebrations were tempered. 
And then eventually when uh, Japan was defeated, John used the phrase the Japanese were subdued. To be subdued is another way of saying, in this case, to be defeated. He talked about the jubilation that took place as a result of the winning of the war. Jubilation is great happiness and celebrations. And finally, when we were talking about Winston Churchill having been defeated in the election just after the war, we said that the ideas of the Conservatives didn't chime with the ideas of the ordinary people. Now, to chime is something that usually happens with a bell or certain musical instruments, and it's a melody, a, pl a pleasant sound that goes with that instrument. But in this case, if you say, if somebody chimes with the ideas, that means it's in agreement with, it matches the ideas of somebody else. So in this case, the Conservatives' ideas didn't chime with the ideas of the ordinary people. They were not in agreement. They didn't match the ideas of ordinary people. And that's one of the reasons they were defeated. So that's it for this week. I hope this has been helpful. Uh, the transcript will be available on our website in a few days' time. And we look forward to joining you again for another episode in the near future. Goodbye for now.